the hardest thing with mental health is it becomes a spiral. And sometimes all you literally need is a little catalyst to like help you to stop. When I'm in pain or when I'm suffering, like I have a really hard time reaching out and asking for help. I know it's so hard to talk about mental health, but when you don't talk about it, you feel more isolated, you feel more alone. If you feel something in your gut, if you feel something's wrong, you should, you know, talk to him about that. Sometimes starting a conversation with someone about their mental health can seem awkward, but your support can make a huge difference. And I think that that's hopeful in those like really dark times. You might not know what to say, but there are a lot of things you can say to open things up. I know you're going through some stuff, and I want you to know I'm here. You know, I deal with the same issues as well. Maybe it's me, but I was wondering if you're all right. Learn more about how to start the conversation at SeizeTheAwkward.org. author and founder of Recovered on Purpose and host of the Recovered on Purpose show. After overcoming homelessness and drug addiction on November 6, 2017, Adam set out on a mission to help as many other addicts find recovery as possible. His nonprofit, Recovered on Purpose, helps addicts in recovery share their stories powerfully with the world to reach more addicts suffering. Since founding in November 2019, Recovered on Purpose has helped over 1,000 addicts find recovery. Adam believes the system of addiction treatment and recovery has foundationally failed and is on a mission to uproot all the flaws by working to restore purpose and passion to the recovery community. Today's guest, Adam Five Gun. How are you doing, sir? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. Thanks for having me. Indeed, indeed. The journey. I'm sure the seed was before November 6, 2017, but what led to you inspiring this great movement, which is actually a game changer, as I've been in addiction field for over 20 years, and I agree with you. It is a failed system. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, this goes for people that are, you know, recovering addicts. This goes for people that have overcome divorce, overcome trauma, overcome a mental illness that uh, they've recovered from. What I've found is when you overcome something that was the ultimate battle of your life, that was the thing that you didn't think you'd be able to overcome, when you find the freedom from that thing that you didn't think you were going to find freedom for, your purpose now is to help others find the same freedom that you've found. And for years, I was trying to get clean. I was trying to find recovery, and I couldn't string together 30 days. I found myself homeless, addicted to IV drugs and unable to stop 148 pounds at the time when I got clean and sober. Right now I'm 215. And when I found that freedom, I, I felt the shift within me and knowing that it was possible when I thought it was impossible, changed my whole perspective on life. And it made me set out on a mission to help as many people find recovery as possible. And thank you for that. Thank you indeed. I find that recovery is hard. Like you said, you tried to string together 30 days at a time and couldn't get up to it. It was difficult. A lot of times we think the words or the medicine is going to help. What we find, what we know now and what we're trying to address, but unfortunately the powers that be won't allow us in many cases, is that if you can't stabilize 
the housing, if you can't stabilize the medical, if you can't stabilize it, you know, several domains, recovery is one of the last things you're going to be able to address because those other issues are impacting the recovery. I know when I work with a client and their homelessness, I know now, I wish I would have known then, and I wish I could find the supports to address it, that if they're homeless, I'm really not going to make any progress regarding the addiction for the most part. And unfortunately, sometimes the addiction is feeding the concept of homelessness, right? 100%. And even people in their first year of recovery, 50% of people in their first year of recovery can't meet their basic financial needs. And there's so many different issues like this, exactly what you're bringing up, that the recovery community needs to start focusing on everything in their life rather than just trying to fight drugs one day at a time. If you try to fight drugs one day at a time for your entire life, you will fail. You'll fail. You have to start working to build your, your personal life, your, your business life, your financial life, your work life, your family life, your relational life. You have to build all of these different pillars of life in order to feel that, that desire to keep it. And if you, if you were to ask me, you know, when I was homeless and I was 86 from the homeless shelter and I didn't have a job and, you know, all I had that comforted me at that time was drugs, was getting high. And I had to find something that, you know, gave me that hope, that gave me that confidence that if I do this work, if I do this work set out in front of me right now, then I have hope for a future and a life that I actually want. And the beautiful thing is that when I when I got onto that hope, you know, I wasn't fighting drugs one day at a time, but I was fighting to win life. I was fighting for my life back. And when that happened, when my perspective changed from focusing on avoiding triggers and focusing on, you know, avoiding the things that are going to cause me to use drugs, and I started focusing on how do I build this life that I can see for myself being possible now, and I focused on that, the, the interim, in my first, you know, six months, year of recovery, when I was going from, you know, a bus boy that still was living in a sober living house to, you know, somebody that was working as a salesperson at this, you know, uh, what was it, a uh, nationwide um, conference thing where I would sell booths at conferences. And then moving from that to, you know, going on as chief marketing officer of this company, each one of those things was a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth. And we have to stop the perspective on life that we gained in our addiction, where we get instant gratification. We have this, we have this dopamine reward system in our mind. And in our addiction, we completely damage that because we believe we can get these rewards right away by sticking a needle in our arm or snorting something up our nose or smoking something. And we have to stop thinking that the rewards are going to come right now. And the great thing about it in recovery is that the rewards are way greater. When you work for something, when you work hard for something, and you go day after day after day, and six months down the road, you look back at how far you've come, that is the biggest dopamine hit that you can possibly get in early recovery, recognizing how far you've come. And then when you get to a place where you can start helping people, you know, when you get to a place where you're sponsoring people or you're volunteering and, and you're able to have a conversation with someone about, hey, I, you know, I've got six months today of recovery. Um, you know, six months ago, I was, I was homeless also. 
And now I have a job. Uh, I'm, I'm hanging out with my family every weekend. I got a puppy. You know, these different kind of things that you're sharing with somebody, not just I quit drugs for six months. Not in the six months of recovery that I've gotten, I went from here to here. And you're actually expressing that to them. And that's what I constantly tell people. You know, now I've got five and a half years. And I remember when I didn't have a day, when I couldn't get a day, you know, five and a half years looked so far off. Right. And that's why part of our testimonies that we're sharing with people that are still struggling is we have to relate to them, share with them where we were at that relates to where they're at right now. You know, in the timeline is important. Also, we can say, you know, it took me five and a half years to get here. It took me, you know, a year and a half to get here one day at a time working and working and working and working. But this is legitimately what I've done in that amount of time and sharing that with people that are still struggling allows them to start building the concept that it's working one day at a time and it's consistency, it's discipline, it's working on these things and building the life without that instant gratification right away. Indeed, indeed. I like how you say, you know, work on multiple things instead of just focusing on the one thing. As an addict, we often find ourselves that being the defining point of who we are, when that is just an attribute of who you are, not that should not define you. Because if you define as that, then maybe you'll always in your mind be that, holding on to the behaviors that contribute to that, holding on to the thoughts and feelings that contribute to that, versus the whole person, everything that makes you you, the father in you, the brother in you, the um, son in you, the friend is uh, the advocate for others, instead of just being defining yourself as the one the attic, I think when we remove that mind state, that's when we can actually start healing. 100%. And I think it's interesting because so many people in the recovery community continue to identify that I'm an addict. I'm an addict for the rest of my life. And you continue to say, I'm an addict. And you declare, I'm an addict. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. They've done studies on this. And it shows that if you identify as an addict consistently in your recovery, it damages your ability to get permanent recovery because you're still thinking about that. And they did this study on identity and, and finding your identity in recovery. One of the strongest ones they found drives people to stay in recovery is I'm a good parent. That's like the strongest identity that people are getting in recovery that keeps them, you know, driving for recovery. You know, for me, I have a strong identity of I'm here to serve God and serve people. That's, that's my identity. I'm a child of God. Every single day, I need to be an example of what's possible for people when they recover. I, and I live with that identity. And that identity makes it so that I can't go back to addiction. I can't relapse. If I do that, that completely takes away my entire identity. And I haven't declared I'm an addict in, you know, I think maybe the first or second month of my recovery is when I stopped saying I'm an addict. And all I say now is I am a recovered addict. And people will try to fight you and say, you know, once an addict, always an addict, you never fully recover. And that's crap. That's one of the things that is causing people to continue to relapse. We have to stop telling people that you don't recover from this thing. Five and a half years ago, I could not wake up without having the thought I need dope right now. Every single day, all day was about drugs, 
I didn't have any other options. I didn't have the ability to follow my dreams, to follow my goals, because my mind was consistently going there because I was sick. And now I wake up with a completely different thought process. I'm addicted to thinking about helping people. I'm addicted to thinking about growing personally and, and finding my purpose and finding what God has for me today. And if that's not being recovered from addiction, I don't know what is. And I'm not saying that I'm cured of this disease. I'm saying I have recovered from the hopeless state of mind, body, and spirit that kept me sticking a needle in my arm against my will. I can't go back and smoke a little bit of crack. I can't go have a couple beers. I've got that solid. And the fact that I have that solid tells me that I have recovered. And people out there need to be working towards being recovered. If you're not yet, if you're still in recovery, do the work, recover, and get to work helping other people. That's where you find true fulfillment in your life. That's where you find true recovery. And that's where the gift of permanent recovery lies. Indeed, indeed. And that's a great point. How do we change? What do we do? How can we lay the seeds to help people understand as a helper, as a person that's supposed to be helping people on, on their recovery journey, refraining from keeping them trapped, the things that we do often keep them in that circle of addiction unknowingly. What could I tell a fellow clinician or some of my supervisees in my practice would be, what would you consider best practice regarding recovery? A hundred percent. The best practice is finding out who the addict is behind their addiction. Find out what their hobbies are. Find out what their desires are. Find out what they want with their future, uh, how their relationships are. See who they're hanging out with. Ask them what they want with their life and help them get that. Too many people in, in, you know, in the clinical space and now the clinical space has infiltrated the 12-step fellowships, the messaging from clinical stuff that didn't work for centuries, the messaging of that infiltrated 12 steps. And now we talk about triggers and we talk about the things that we need to stay away from. And in, in the original text of recovery, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it doesn't talk about anything with people, places, and things, except it says we no longer fight anything, not even alcohol. And this just happened. And we are able to go anywhere in the world as long as we have a definite purpose for going there. In my recovery, I've gone to tons of places where people are using drugs, drinking, partying, all kinds of stuff like that. And the beautiful thing is, I was the only one in recovery there. And the reason why I say that's beautiful for now is at two of those parties just this year, or actually, I guess it was last year, but just last year at two of those parties, Two people or more ended up talking to me about their addiction or alcoholism and needing help. We're supposed to be the light in places. We're supposed to carry recovery with us. We're supposed to carry the power of God with us. Declaring that we are powerless is crap. That was never the message. It's we are powerless over drugs and alcohol. And then it's all about accessing power that is greater than us, power that is able to do all things, solve all of, all of our problems. The disease was never about drugs and alcohol. The problem was when I didn't have drugs and alcohol, my mind was crazy. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop obsessing about it. And there is 
hope of permanent recovery from this thing. And the way that you do permanent recovery, you have a certain type of daily practice. You have to have a daily practice of serving other people. You, If you fall out of serving other people and you start to work on serving solely yourself, your recovery has a timestamp. You will either have to figure it out and change it and be hurt really bad and not go back to drugs and figure out getting back to serving people, or you're going to relapse. Point blank period. I've seen it time and time again, people that, you know, recover and then they start chasing this business and they start chasing this and, or they work in, in addiction treatment and they don't do anything that's free on the side. They just, you know, the, the number one uh, profession that people in recovery get into and relapse is an addiction counselor. And the reason for that is that they start to do the work as work. And it's totally good to be an addiction counselor, 100%. Do that with your 40 hours a week or 45 hours a week that you're, that you're working. But you have to be spending time outside of work, doing the work 100% pro bono, helping other people, because that's what the solution is. And to help the people that you're sponsoring or to help the people that you're counseling or, or you know, mentoring, find out who they are, who they are. And I'm pointing at my heart because you can find that in them. There's so much cloud in an addict's mind of their identity, who they are, who people say they are, who society says they are, and ultimately who they say they are themselves. Because for so long, they were doing so much damage to themselves. And now... The point is, is pulling all that stuff out. You know, there is, there's some, there's some work to do with therapy and some, you know, some, some trauma work and things like that, hundred percent, but that's to find the place where you actually are, what your real desires are, what you feel called to do that voice in your heart that tells you I'm supposed to be a speaker. I'm supposed to write a book. I'm supposed to, you know, start recovered on purpose and start helping people in a massive way. And following that is, is the key, is the key to permanent recovery. We have to shift the focus from telling people they have to fight this thing every single day and avoid things in life that are never going to be 100% avoidable. Your triggers are going to show up in your life no matter what. You can't avoid all of them. For me, when I woke up, it was a trigger. Opening my eyes, that was a trigger to use. So how am I going to avoid that? I can't. So I just have so much focus on my purpose that it causes me to be pulled through life and I don't have to even think about going back. I can't, I literally can't even remember the last time that I had thoughts about using. On day 26, the obsessive thoughts for me where I, I was, you know, needing it and thinking about how I'm going to use it and how long I'm going to make it uh, this time clean. That left, that hasn't come back. And then for a while, I had some things like using dreams and things like that, and it would scare the crap out of me, and I'd wake up all scared. But I can't remember the last time I had a using dream, and I can't remember the last time I had a passing thought like, oh, some heroin sounds really nice right now. You know, that stuff goes away, but it goes away with work and consistency. You, sir, have recovered on purpose. Tell us about RecoveredOnPurpose.org. So Recovered On Purpose, our mission statement is to equip and empower addicts in recovery to share their stories with those suffering, 
to encourage and help addicts recover and to share our stories in the school system to deter the future generations from going down the path of addiction. So the whole point of Recovered on Purpose is we are not supposed to be anonymous about our recovery. That was also never the, the, the meaning of the tradition that everybody cites. We're supposed to be anonymous about any 12-step fellowships we may or may not be involved with. We Back in the day, they were going out and talking to people constantly about recovery. That's how they found new people that they could help. And now with the state of the internet, look, we're doing a podcast right now. We're doing a video podcast. Who knows who this is going to reach? You know, I've got TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and, and, and all these different social media places where, you know, in I've, I've reached three and a half, four million people with one video, one video. And Recovered on Purpose, what we do is we train people to share their stories with all of the available outlets now. And you, you, I, nobody knows. You know, I talk about the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's not a fellowship. I don't mention any fellowships I may or may not be involved with because that's extremely important. But getting the message out in every way possible that recovery is possible and then giving them an outlet. Like people, people that see my videos or people that see that read my book. My book has my email in it. My videos have something attached where they can message me. And in that, I've been able to help a lot of people find recovery because they message me and they say, hey, I saw that video and, you know, I, I'm in it right now. I don't know what to do. And, you know, the best, the best dope hit of life is when someone hits you up and says, hey, I just wanted to let you know I, I found your podcast 90 days ago. And uh, I didn't reach out, but I have 90 days clean today because they just they heard a message that we put out. And I didn't even say I didn't even say anything about, you know, a solution necessarily on that podcast. I just showed them something that they can believe in. I showed them that they are able to do this thing. There is possible possibility and they can live a beautiful life in recovery because, dang, you know, we can't be we can't be spreading a message like. 13 years into recovery, like, yeah, <sighs> I lost my job last week. And well, at least I'm clean. You know, at least I'm clean. Like, dude, come on. We got to be inspiring people to find recovery. Give them something to seek their teeth into, to drive for, to do the work for. Because when I was struggling, you know, sometimes the people I saw in recovery, a lot of times I felt better shooting up because at least I wouldn't be suffering and sober. And it's possible to have a beautiful life in recovery. It's possible to recover and do everything you ever dreamed of. Indeed, indeed. Thank you, thank you. Now, what I'm really interested in, not saying I wasn't interested in other stuff, was um, <clears throat> something that I want, want to get into a lot more um, than I was is um, recoveryspeaker.com because I feel like you sharing your story, me being able to share my story, many people, not only in recovery, but just through this thing called life, recovering from this thing called life. If the pandemic didn't show us anything, it showed us that, right? Um, tell us about recoveryspeaker.com if you don't mind. So how do I want to start this? <laughs> I guess uh, September 2019, I went out to this conference on a whim um, and it was about bringing God into your business because I was I was 
making more money than I'd ever made before was doing amazing. I was less than two years in recovery and I, and I felt empty, you know, and prayed to God said, I, you know, show me my purpose, show me my purpose, go out to this conference. And he, uh, he tells me the first night, like I hear it in my heart. He says, your new company is called recovered on purpose. And I look up, I was like, dang, that's good. And I pull out my phone and I buy the domain name right there, make sure it's good on the secretary of state and get ready to go. And then a couple of days later at that conference, someone comes up, comes up on stage and starts talking about publishing a book, about self-publishing a book. And I'm in the audience and I'm like rigorously taking notes because I've always wanted to write a book. And I'm like doing this and doing this. And then I hear that same voice say to me, if you publish your book for your two years clean and sober, you're going to inspire so many others to do the same. And I look up, I was like, my two years clean and sober, that's in five weeks. And I was like, all right, but I, but I learned that that voice is super important to follow. So I go home, I, I tell my business partners, my employees that, you know, I, I needed a few weeks, I'm going to be working on something. And for the first two days, I, I knew that I couldn't just sit down and write a book. You know, I knew I couldn't do that in that amount of time and make it something that I wanted to release. So for the first two days, I hopped on my whiteboard and I started dumping out all of my experiences, everything in five words or less, all my stories, all my experiences through my life that I could possibly remember. And then I figured out the message that I wanted my story to deliver. Then I took that message, put it on another whiteboard, and then I took all the experiences and the stories of my life and started putting them over on that whiteboard. And I was like, all right, now I have a checklist. Then I just went one by one by one, and I wrote each and every one of those all the way through. And then I ended up with my book, From Chains to Saved, One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction. Launched it on November 6, 2019. Became a bestseller, uh, number one bestseller for four months on Amazon. I outsold the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous for one month, um, and it did really well. What I didn't realize at the time was those first two days of planning my story on that whiteboard would become the foundation of Recovered on Purpose to help any addict in recovery or alcoholic in recovery share their story as a powerful message. And I started coaching and training other people in recovery how to write and publish books. We've published a whole bunch of whole bunch of other books and you know they've all done really well. And my first student that published her book, Brittany Priestley, uh, published her book in April 2020 called Mommy Drunkest. And the DA that prosecuted her four times in her addiction bought a big box of her books. He now gives away to women that he is prosecuting that are in the same situation that she was in. So that's the power of a recovery story. Recovery speaker is all of that encompassed, plus how to network, how to get your story out. So, I, so it's a digital course. It's a one-of-a-kind one digital course solely for addicts in recovery and alcoholics in recovery. How to put their message together powerfully within their story and then how to tell it powerfully, tricks and tips to uh, you know, tell your story powerfully when you get on you know, podcasts or live videos or in front of an audience. And then I teach you how to actually land these gigs, land podcasts, land uh, live videos on social media or, or you know, speaker meetings and fellowships, things like that. So the whole course is designed to take you from being in recovery to having a powerful message that you can tell at any time, any place. You'll be able to tell it in a minute or less. I call it the elevator story. You can do it in five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 25 minutes, or a full 50 minutes.
Indeed, indeed. Wow. And then you got a good price point. I read about you know how you keep the price low in order to help people get into recovery. And then somebody asks, you know, why doesn't it why isn't it free for addicts? And you talked about how when you invest in yourself, you invest in your recovery. And I think that's very important because I find often when you get things away for free, people don't appreciate it as much. And I think the price point is just right. It's very, very palatable. Um, and you get so much. I was looking at, you know, the instructional videos, the worksheets and the live interview with you on the social media accounts. Um, so many, so many, so much value in this, um, this course, this, and I think, I definitely, and I appreciate that. And what I try to let people understand, like I really, really work to let people understand the value is really in your story. That's where the value is. I mean, I've got, I've got one of my students right now, Kimberly, right there, Kimberly. Uh, she's giving her first keynote, paid keynote, professional keynote next month, where she's teaching judges, lawyers, and teachers how to help at-risk youth. And that kind of thing right there, 197 bucks, I could, it's not about that. It's about when she does that, we have no idea how many people will legitimately be impacted because there's a ripple effect. And now she knows how to land these gigs. She has a presentation she can give all over the world over and over and over and over. And I, I've, I've done a lot of different, you know, things with this course. And I, I want to help people so bad on a massive scale. My heart aches every day to help people that are out there suffering because there's 110,000 of us that don't get it every year. And that's not okay with me. And Recovered on Purpose became a 501c3 at the end of last year. And I'm currently really close and working with some major corporations to fund this. So I'll be able to do scholarships into the course with coaching with me, with group coaching, with community. And, you know, right now, the people that have been in the course and the people that, you know, purchased the course are at the ground level of something that is going to be massive, massive. I've got a TEDx talk that's coming up uh, in October and it's going to go like, I know it's going to go viral. And it's not, it's not because of me <laughs> recovered on purpose was never about me from the foundation of this. I told my mentors, I never want recovered on purpose to be about me because I want it to be something where when I die, people are still doing it and still helping people out there. And why I know this is going to go viral is because it's true. It's true. And people need this message. Centuries and centuries, the medical community was trying to help people like you and me to no avail. Until there was one movement of two people that suffer from this coming together that ballooned and has now helped millions and millions and millions of people. We have diverted back to pre-1934, counting on clinical, counting on psychiatrists, counting on medical treatment, which is all good. That's all good. But the real solution to this crisis that is going on right now is only going to be found with you and me. And we have to stand up and do it. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you, Adam, for sharing your story. Thank you for telling us about Recovered on Purpose and Recovery Speaker. Any last words or any words you want to leave the audience with as we transition to another day in recovery? Absolutely, yes. <gasps> right now, the truth is, right now, there is someone out there suffering with exactly what you have overcome that will never find freedom if you don't share your story, if you don't get your message out helping people. And I know this as an absolute certainty, whether you think your story is powerful or whether you, you know, whatever thoughts are in your head, there is someone out there struggling right now that is counting on you that you do not know yet, you've never met yet, but when you do, you'll know you'll know. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible feeling. And it starts with working on yourself, develop yourself personally, find out who you truly are, find out what you love, and then share that with the world. Because that's what you were born to do. Thank you, Adam, for sharing your story. Thank you for telling us about recovery on purpose. Thank you for telling us about recovery speaker. For those of you who do or do not have Amazon Prime, please check out the bestseller, From Chains to Saved, One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction. That's From Chains to Saved, One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction by Adam. He got the vibe, gotten. <laughs> and if they, if they, you know, if they want, if they don't need a paperback copy, they can actually get a free digital and audio copy at recoveredonpurpose.org. Well, you can't beat that with a bat. Thank you, sir, for your time. Thank you for sharing your journey and recovery and how you want others to reach recovery. Thank you for sharing these programs that can help people with recovery. That is something I'm definitely going to look into and invest in because uh, I, you and I have a, a, a great shared ideology regarding what recovery is and how mm. the powers that be, the systems that are in place, aren't really contributing to recovery. And I wonder if it's a subconscious plot just to keep the real wheel grease in order to keep things going, you know? Uh, that's another story indeed, and another mm -hmm. podcast episode that's not appropriate for Morning Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Morning Therapy podcast where you can push play and favorite wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. That's the More Than Therapy podcast. Be well and be great. And check out Adam at recoveredonpurpose.org. Be Thank well you all so much. and be great.